Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Having preached to you earlier this day from Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8 and some of the gifts and offices that were in the church at Rome in the apostolic era, I want to make an application of that to your lives as pointedly as I can in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 27, the eighth verse. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. It's a her bird. It's a female bird. It's a mother bird. And as foolish and terrible as it would be for a mother bird to wander from her nest and leave her young to whatever fate would befall them and to risk herself being caught by the fowler, it is folly. It is dysfunctional folly contrary to the laws of God and the laws of nature. And the laws of nature are not to be ignored, but they are exalted in the Bible on several counts. Remember, the Bible teaches us that nature dictates length of hair on men or women. The Bible tells us that nature dictates which sex you should go to bed with. The Bible tells us that you should take care of your parents in their old age Because even pagans do that, and we've denied the faith and are worse than infidels when we don't, and there's even more that nature teaches us. But nature teaches that birds do not wander from their nest, but they stay there and protect their young and preserve their own lives. When they wander, they risk their young in that nest, and they risk themselves. So, in the same way, following that same kind of a description... The same level of folly, the same great danger, so is a man that wandereth from his place. He puts those under him at risk, and he risks himself. And that is what I want to give you in a few minutes. This world is changing around us, and it is changing drastically around us, and the change has infected most of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And we want to fight against it by fulfilling the roles that God has given us. We want to hold our place. If your place is a father, your role is immensely important in, for the sake of your family, for your sake, for the gospel's sake, and for this church's sake, and for this nation's sake, and I do not overestimate your role. It's huge. And I want every one of you fathers to man up and fulfill the role that God's given you. If you are a young man and you're married and you don't have any children yet, your role is great to show other young men what kind of a loving husband they ought to be and to show young women what they ought to be looking for in a loving husband. It it doesn't stop the ramifications of the examples that we all give. Every one of you young married women, you should be showing other young married women the submissiveness, the quietness, the reverence, that the Bible commands you to give when you try to make it, give opinions and when you try to make the decisions in your marriage, you are like this bird. You have left your place. God did not give you that place. 
You are putting your family at risk, your marriage at risk, future children at risk. You are undermining the example in this church that ought to match up with the preaching of the Word of God out of this pulpit. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so in the same way is a man that wandereth from his place. The world is changing and not all change is good. Sometimes we have technological advances that we're thankful for because it gives us witty inventions. But change is everywhere and it's change of a moral sort. It's change of a role sort. R-O-L-E. It's a change in position. It's a change in responsibility. And it's wrong and it's corrupting society. And we see it everywhere and the change is accelerating. Some of us you know, 50 years of age and older have seen changes take place in our lives that are hard to fathom. If you'd have told us about it 40 years ago, we'd have said it couldn't happen that fast in this country. But it has happened, and it's accelerating. And we want to stop it in our families. We want to stop it in our marriages. We want to stop it in our church. And if the Lord will be merciful, like a young brother prayed for us in this church, maybe there'll be 10 righteous souls here that will postpone God's judgment on America. Look at Psalm 11 with me. You'll want to hold your hand at Proverbs 27, although I hope you already know the verse. If you don't, let me say it again. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. The role that God's given him. We want to go to Psalm 11 and see the importance of roles. Those of you that read the Psalms suggested last last evening have already seen these three Psalms I want to show you. Psalm 11. Much could be said about this, and you know I don't have time, so I'm just going to tell you. Psalm 11.3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Those foundations are the foundations of society. That is lawful, legal, faithful government. In David's time, it was not lawful, faithful government. It was King Saul. The Spirit of the Lord had left him. An evil spirit was upon him. He would break into rages. He would try to commit, kill one of his commanders named David at various times. He would let Doeg, the Edomite, kill the priests of God. The foundations were being destroyed. And David wanted to remedy that. And God wanted David to remedy that. And God chose David to remedy that. Now, we may not be called to change a nation single-handedly like David did, but every one of you have a role. Alex, even you have a role. You have a role at school. You have a role as a brother. You have a role as an employee. You have a role as a citizen. You have a role as a son. You have a role as almost a church member. You have a role as a member of the youth group. You have a role. Man up and fulfill it. Be the best. Be the best. You know, we don't have to go out and hand out tracts against the world. Let's just live the Bible way, and that condemns the world by itself. If we will just man up and be thankful. When someone else is running down their parents, and you think there's an appropriate time for you to say you shouldn't talk that way about your parents, that is preaching the gospel. Because that's the gospel of God's Word. And if you're showing it, you never speak disrespectfully about your parents. You speak reverently about them. And you work hard for your master. Even if your master might be your brother from time to time. You work hard for him. You don't talk. We all have a role. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm sorry that I picked you this time. But take it as a personal challenge and and stand up and be counted. Every one of us. This doesn't have to be complicated. But the changes are significant that are taking place around us. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It upsets 
everything, even in a Christian's life. Why do we pray that we may continue to lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty? What context is that in? Praying for kings and and all that are in authority, for rulers. Because when rulers change the laws and are subverting things by their laws, it makes it hard to be a righteous man. It makes it easier when they are making good laws, enforcing those laws. We want to start wherever we can influence, we want to influence it. Look at Psalm 75. I have given explanations of these psalms to you before in their entirety, and I don't have time for that now. I just want to show you a few points as we think about the words, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. I hope that every one of us will remember that if we don't fulfill our roles, we're like a bird flying away from its nest because it wants to find itself. Some little bird, mommy birdie flies away to find itself and leaves the young in that nest as prey and then will involve herself in being captured by a fowler or destroyed by other instead of remaining at her nest. So is a man that leaves his place. We have all kinds of places for each of us. And I want each of you to be excited about those places, whether it's at Clemson or Costco, whether it's at pharmacy school or some other school. Everything that we do, let's man up and fulfill the roles God has given us. Let's encourage each other to fill those roles. Let's help each other man up and do it. And I'm not just speaking to men. I'm speaking as much to women. I'm speaking to children. You children can fulfill your roles. I was at a restaurant with a family in this church this past week. And a woman came over and said, I haven't seen the likes of it. The well-behaved children sitting at this table. And there were some very young children at that table. And that's a blessing. That is how we contend with the wicked. That is how we promote righteousness without saying a word. Just by our godly families. And I want to encourage... You children have a role. When you obey your... Jonathan... When you obey your parents, Sawyer, Jonathan, when you obey your parents in public, you're defending the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're bringing back a foundation. And that is of children obeying their parents. Psalm 75. Look what David said. Verse 2. When I shall receive the congregation... I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. Selah. Do you understand that in the roles that we have, we are the pillars of the earth. Men are the pillars. There's pillars in this church. There's pillars in families. There's pillars in marriages. This is David saying, when I get this kingdom, when I shall receive the congregation, that's the church of the Lord, that was the kingdom of Israel, taken from Saul by God, and given to David, I will judge uprightly, because King Saul did not do that. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. He's speaking about the nation of Israel. They were dissolving. It was breaking down. Society was breaking down, because there wasn't good government, and David was going to remedy that. And he said, I bear up the pillars of it. I will hold the pillars of this nation together. And we have had some great men in our own nation, and there have been great men in the churches of Jesus Christ. There was the Apostle Paul, and I want you to be a pillar of this state. You be the most honest, faithful, diligent, gracious, patient, trooper, 
that this state has ever had and hold up the pillars of it and bear them up. Don't just go to a job. You've taken on a different kind of a job. And the Lord's given it to you. And He's going to protect you. And He's going to make you great. And if you were to lay down your life in the line of duty, like some have, then you'll be to heaven before the rest of us. And you can feel sorry for us. And we'll be there soon. He's going to be alone out there. It is not, I've, I've made my point. It's not like city policemen. Right. They're different. They're different, and we, we want Shane to be different. Do all, do you, does, this, does this affect you men at all? I know that you're not having a nation given to you, but do you have a little nation? Do you have a little microcosm of a nation? Do you have a little marriage? Do you have a little job? Do you have a little family? Do you have some children? Do you have some grandchildren? Look at this. I bear up the pillars of it. Dad, you have a lot depending on you. I know you're in your old age, but we don't retire forever or altogether from being a, a pillar and bearing up those pillars. I want everybody in here from oldest to youngest to consider that as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. 82, Psalm 82. Listen to this one. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. When he says the mighty, he's talking about rulers, leaders, those in authority. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. By gods, he means rulers. Jesus quotes this in John chapter 10 and says he's referring to rulers. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? That's what our nation is doing. It's judging unjustly. It accepts the persons of the wicked. How long is this going to go on? This is the order from heaven. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not. That is these wicked rulers. Neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. And that is our situation. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods. This is what God said about civil rulers. God said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. You represent me on earth in your positions of authority, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. What should we say? Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Amen. And amen to the word of God. There's so much independent thinking going on today by both sexes at various ages in many offices and roles, which is selfish and dysfunctional. Rebellion against previous generations and their religion and their philosophy and their practices is not wise unless there is superior proven evidence from heaven to make such changes. They're changing the roles of boys and girls, the roles of husbands and wives, the role of the family, the purpose of marriage. On and on it goes. Obedience to authority. Obedience on the job. Not purloining. Not answering again. Can you imagine that in today's work society? Not answering again. In Titus chapter 2, there is so much said about how we relate to each other in the relationships that God's given us. Some traditions are good. The Bible warns us about tradition, but that's about man-made tradition that we would 
except while we reject the Word of God. We're not talking about that. Some traditions that we call traditions are good. Not only good, they're often necessary and profitable. There are ordained and established rules, roles, and norms for how things should be done. Some are inspired by God. Others are required by nature. Like hair length. If I say a word in a proverb commentary about hair length, I hear about it. And I enjoy saying something about hair length every now and then so that I will hear about it. They can't believe that the Bible says that God's already had an opinion on hair and He's had an opinion on hair. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we believe it. Just that little thing is a change. It happened in my, it happened in the 60s when men started growing their hair long, women started cutting theirs off, and what a change took place. And the change in clothes and the change in roles. And we want to stay the course and hold to God's position on these things. I hope that some of you will think of Ezekiel 22.30, and I sought for a man. I didn't seek for men. You know, the Marines may be looking for a few good men. God isn't. God's looking for a good man. And I sought for a man that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Because the hedge is being broken down. There's gaps appearing everywhere, and we want to fill those gaps as men. Romans chapter 12, 3-8 through 8, was the description of gifts given to the church at Rome in the apostolic era and how they were to fulfill those roles for the functioning and profit and growth and quality of that church at Rome. I am addressing you now about every area of your life. Zach is a son. Zach is a husband. Zach is a father. Zach is a brother. Zach is an employee. Zach is a citizen. Zach is a church member. And he's a man. I'm not picking on him. We all want to man up and fulfill the roles God's given us. And it's a wonderful opportunity. Look at these three psalms I've just given you. Aren't those wonderful? David wasn't afraid of the prospect. David was anticipating it and excited about doing something to make a difference. Don't Shouldn't your life involve making a difference? If you don't make a difference, let's all drink the pink Kool-Aid right now and just get it over with and go to that eternal weight of glory and see if He'll let us in having committed self-murder. That's as good as I get at illustrations. The point being, your life should be measured by the difference you make, that God, the difference that God expected you would make by the positions He gave you. Charity? You know, I've already addressed children because I addressed Jonathan sitting in front of you. The way you obey your mom and dad is an example in this church, is an example outside of this church. Encourages your mom and dad to be parents, is a rebuke, or an encouragement to five sisters, and it goes on and on and on. And if you do it, you will help save the society of this country and this church pleasing the Lord, and He is going to add a little tiny blessing. You are going to have a fabulously long life and a fabulously good life. It's the first commandment with promise. You can be important, and you can affect the world especially when they find out your name, charity. And they ask you, what does charity mean? And you say love. Every one of us. We do not want to wander away. How do we wander away as a child? We disobey. We get complacent. We take for granted our parents. 
We don't treat them with the honor that they deserve. We are assisting in the breakdown of society and it's breaking down around us. And I don't want it to break down. The Lord doesn't want it to break down. Violating the traditions that have been, that have come to us from the Word of God and from nature bring pain, they bring trouble, and they bring decline. Staying the course and following tradition is better than striking out with novel ideas and plans and how things ought to be. Duty is what I'm talking about. Our duty. Duty is the responsibility to fulfill assignments given to you. Duty is key to prosperity and success. God's determined the duties of men and women and of children in their various roles and responsibilities in and out of the family. Those duties need to be understood by you and they need to be fulfilled for the happiness and progress of everyone. Do you know your duties? Every wife in here has been taught your duties. The Lord God of heaven planned this separate from Jonathan and Sherry Crosby, because they it complements what you women got 11 days ago, doesn't it? You'll know more in just a moment. I won't have slides like you got to see, but I'm going to be saying the things that those slides said to you. Are you fulfilling those duties in every sphere of your life? Or have you wandered away from some of your duties by the seduction of this dysfunctional world? We're all lazy by nature. We hate confrontation by nature. We don't exactly like leadership sometimes because with it comes responsibility and a sacrificial expending of effort for the benefit of other people. And so we shirk it at times. But we shouldn't. God wants us to man up. They're not manning up around us. They're not manning up in most of the churches. We can man up and we must man up. Lord, help us. They're like, you know, this generation wants change so much and they're changing so many things. They want to test new waters. They want to realize greater potential. They want to explore new vistas. They want to eradicate the old stereotypes, as they call them. They want to revolutionize the world. They are like silly birds that have left their eggs to destruction and are snared by the fowler. The best way that this world could ever function is the way it's described right here by the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. He has ordered the planets, He has ordered the stars, He has ordered the minnows, and He's ordered our lives. And if we alter what He has ordered us, it is going to corrupt society, ruin us, bring us unhappiness, and trouble us. And it, 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 it shames the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It confirms the devil and the perilous times of these last days. They say boys should play with dolls and girls should play with guns. Boys should sing in the glee club and girls should be at football practice. They say boys should wear long hair and earrings and girls should wear short hair and denim and boots. Boys should be nurses and girls should be doctors. Boys should be agreeable and girls should be independent. Those things are contrary to the Word of God. The Bible doesn't tell wives to stay at home and cheer up their husbands and not go off to war for the first year of marriage, does it? So there are women fighter pilots, men as home nannies, college students voting. That's, that is so ridiculous. One man, one vote, that's the most insane proposition that's ever come down the pipe. I don't care if God has used it for our benefit for the last hundred years or not. Believe me, they didn't get to vote a hundred years ago. One man, one vote is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? That's a whole subject for another. Let me just go through a list here to remind you that things are happening around us. 
Men having sex with men, labor unions grounding airlines, wives defying husbands, children divorcing parents, policemen tried for roughing up criminals, career women moving their husbands across the country, men learning and getting in touch with their feminine side, women judges and governors, illiterate juries ruling in capital cases, and moronic athletes and actors making more money than company CEOs. That all stinks. Solomon would say, that is an evil that comes from the ruler. I see princes walking and servants on horses, and that ought not to be. Princes, men, should be on horses, and servants should be walking. Solomon said it was an evil, because society is being turned upside down. The change is taking place around us. In that church at Rome, there was apostles first. There were prophets, second. There were teachers, thirdly. And then after that, and then, and then, there was a hierarchy of gifts to the church, and those roles were to be fulfilled in that order for the prosperity of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil understands all of this because he's got principalities, thrones, might, and dominion in hierarchical order from him down. Satan's kingdom is not divided, but this kingdom of our nation is getting divided, and the churches are divided, and they shouldn't be. Families are divided, and they shouldn't be. The husband rules in the home. Submit and reverence him, wives. It is God's order. It's not mine. It has nothing to do with me except I will be a faithful ambassador for what the Bible says. And I don't care how antiquated or Neanderthal, it may sound. There are girls in the army writing to guys waiting for them at home. Couples living together before marriage. Human bodies burned in incinerators next to pet cemeteries. Women voting. Deacon boards judging pastors. Women trying to lead the home spiritually. Athletes thinking they only have a mother. Wives working husbands to death to support their decorating addiction. Women not giving birth until an average 15 years after puberty. Women preachers. Girls in the Boy Scouts and Little League. What insanity! And the list could just go on and on. And it's accelerating. It's everywhere around us. We are old-fashioned Neanderthal cavemen in our approach to marriage, family, children, church. Thank you, Lord. It's called the old paths. Do you want to see where that verse is in the Bible and how it addresses us? Look at it. It's Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. Lord, help us. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Notice, it's a male pronoun used in the second clause. It's a female pronoun used in the first clause. And so it's comparing men male, masculine men, to a foolish bird brain in the first clause that wanders away from her nest. I mean, the Lord, Proverbs are supposed to be short, pithy statements of observation or wisdom. Right. And Proverbs 27.8 is no exception. Right. And to me, it's a perfect application for us since Romans 12.3-8 was sort of for them back then. But this is for us right now. Every one of you. I wish I could get everyone's attention so much on what a woman fulfilling her role as being a submissive, obedient, cheerful, loving, reverent wife does for the gospel, does for her children, does for her husband, does for her sisters in the church, does for her neighbors. It does so much. 
Because it's everyone bearing up their part of the foundation of society. It's everyone having their part in bearing up the pillars of it. Jeremiah 6, verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. You know, you're going to find rest for your souls if you do things God's way. It is going to give you peace. It's going to give you calm at home. It's going to fulfill your life. I've mentioned other things beyond that. But the Lord in this passage wants you to understand it'll bring rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And that's what our society is saying. And that's what many churches are saying. We don't want to hear the Bible preached at us. You know, for 20 years, the First Baptist Church of Malden is advertised, or at least I remember it from 20 years ago. If you come to our church, we promise not to throw the Bible at you, throw the book at you. Well, when you go to church, you ought to have the book thrown at you. That's what we go to church for, is to have the book thrown at us. Because that the book is where we find the, the old ways and the old paths, where the good way is and, and how to walk therein. Verse 17, also, I set watchmen over you, saying... Who are those watchmen? Prophets. Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. So we have young people living together and sleeping together. And we have married people getting divorced. The divorce rates. When we just think about the divorce rates, God hates divorce. God has exceptions for that hatred of divorce. He allowed divorces for certain causes. They're in both testaments. He understands. He's more merciful. He loves mercy more than he does sacrifice. But 60% is not mercy. 60% is, is destruction. It's the turning of the world upside down. It's AWOL fathers. Instead of being AWOL at the job, or AWOL in their workshop, or AWOL out hunting or fishing, they're AWOL with another woman. Because they've left their first wife, and then you want to see the percentages of those that leave their first wife, the percentage of what they're going to do with the second wife. That second wife is really foolish. That's a double bird brain. You want to see the percentages of those that have had two wives and get divorced the second time, what they're going to do to the third wife. That's a triple bird brain that would marry that man. But for the grace of God, there go all of us. God created the universe and every role and relationship in it. When we read, in the beginning God created, that means there was nothing and there was nothing. There was nothing material. There was nothing rational. There was nothing relational. He created it all. Every relationship and every role is carefully defined, carefully explained, carefully described, limits put on it in the Word of God. No woman is is supposed to submit to her husband. Have you ever heard a sermon preached in this church if your husband's a fool? Of course you have. Because there are limits put on that submission to a husband's authority. Just like there are limits put on every form of authority. But that doesn't give a woman the right to make that decision for herself. When when a woman marries a man, she agrees that my desires are going to be his desires. Meaning, his desires are mine. I will get rid of my desires and make my desires his desires. And he shall rule over me. Every woman should get up in the morning and repeat to herself and throughout the day repeat to herself, I was made for him. He was not made for me. I was made for him. He was not made for me. 1 Corinthians 11.9 It's the way God ordered it. 
It's the same thing a soldier has to do when he is told by a captain, a sergeant, or a lieutenant, or any other officer to go charge a machine gun nest because that body of troops cannot advance without that machine gun nest being taken out of the way. It may very well cost him his life, but he doesn't sit around and chew the fat with that officer. He salutes, and he runs, and he lays down his life so that the rest of that army can advance. Women have never faced anything like that. And yet in our society, they want to revolt against their husbands. They want to give their opinion. They want to take the lead. They want to do this. They want to do their own thing. Blah, blah, blah. And there they go. And so the foundations are shaking and the pillars are shaking. And what are the righteous going to do? As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so was the man that wandereth from his place. God doesn't accept altered roles. I've already mentioned Korah today. Korah was discontent with being a Levite under Moses and Aaron, so God buried him and his family alive. King Isaiah was discontent with being God's king, so he tried priest for an afternoon, part-time job. God gave him leprosy for the rest of his life. These are the Bible examples that we shouldn't forget. Today, mothers abort their unborn babies by premeditated, sadistic, and violent means. Treatment they would never allow to be performed on a rabid dog. That's upside down. God doesn't care about dogs, rabid or unrabid, in comparison to human children. Solomon would not need to use a wandering bird as an illustration for this generation. These modern wicked creatures destroy their own young for their mere selfish pleasure. Solomon. The greatest philosopher saw those princes walking and servants on horses, which is a labor union dictating the terms of their wages. Can you Unbelievable that a labor union gets to come together and by extortion tell the ownership of a company, you will pay us this or we will walk and we will not let you hire any replacements and walk across that strike line. Henry Ford had the right idea. Ronald Reagan had the right idea. And we respect both of them for it. Henry Ford hired guns out of New York to defend his plant in Dearborn, Michigan. 500 of them. Ronald Reagan said, bye-bye. Oh, I remember where I was. I remember what building I was in on the campus of Michigan National Bank of Detroit. I remember where I was when I heard the news that he had told all those striking air controllers, bye-bye. Of course, in the next year, there were fewer close calls than there had been in the previous year with all those union employees off the job. I love that statistic that came out later. You could put the Boy Scouts of America in there and do better than the average union employee. I am thankful for a father that taught me that from when I was two years old. I was in diapers when I first heard about the, the glory of the unions. And I'm thankful for that. And I speak as a fool when I say glory. They've ruined Detroit. Unbelievable what's happened to one of the prince cities of this nation 50 to 100 years ago. Right. Defaulting on its debt now. Bankrupt. The stories about it and the statistics about it are unbelievable. But that's what you get for labor unions because labor unions is turning the world upside down by making servants masters and by making masters servants. Those people have been so overpaid for the last 75 years, but when you overpay servants, guess what happens? Does it lead to prosperity? Uh-uh, not a chance. Thus saith the Lord, 
The woman was made for the man, and she is to be an obedient and submissive wife with her primary duties at home. If she is restless or resentful of this God-ordained axiom for human success, society begins to immediately deteriorate, her family suffers real pain, and she's miserable. The best way for happiness is to do things God's way. There's only one way. It's God's way. And it works. Why do we ever leave God's way? The sinful flesh that hates God. Why did Adam and Eve, they didn't even have sinful flesh, but they had someone helping them in the place of sinful flesh, the devil himself. And then we have the world giving us this example out there and constantly undermining us. You women that go outside your home and you hear other women talking about their husbands, that is not for you to ever inculcate into your life. That vocabulary is never to be yours. That attitude toward a husband is never to be yours. You should despise them. They're despicable. So why don't you despise them? I read about the character of the righteous in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 15, that they contemn. They condemn the wicked, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. That is the character of a righteous, godly person, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. And when a woman is talking about her husband negatively in the presence of other women, she is undermining our society, ruining our nation, destroying the churches of Jesus Christ, and many of them are Christians. Silly women are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They go to seminars, they buy books. Instead of asking their husbands at home, which the Bible tells them to do, they want to teach their husbands at home. They sit around doing so little, their productivity, if it was measured on a Richter scale, wouldn't even deserve minimum wage. So many Christian women, if you measure up what they accomplish, literally accomplish in a day, but what do they do? They want to read a Christian book. They want to watch a seminar. They want to watch a video. They want to go to some ladies' conference. Well, the Bible addresses them. They're called silly women in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And false teachers creep into houses and lead captive those silly women. Silly means vulnerable, weak, and subject to seduction. And so these false teachers creep in. The, then the husband comes home. He's tired because he's been productive because he's got to be productive for both of them instead of having a productive, virtuous woman like Proverbs 31. And she wants to be the spiritual leader of the home and tell him a thing or two that she's learned in her internet surfing. Oh, Lord, save us. That's like Eve coming home and saying, I found out how we can be gods. And we can enjoy the fruit in the meantime, and it looks good to boot. And it destroyed the human race and sent 80 billion people to hell, but for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how do you know that's the population of mankind since Adam and Eve? How do you know it's not? Okay. We'll both agree to disagree. And I don't believe in that either. That turns the world upside down. You know what we all ought to agree to? That the Bible is true. And it's always true. And it's always relevant. And it, and it fits today's society as well as it's ever fit any society. Right. And it fits marriage, and it fits child training, and it's not old, and it's not Neanderthal. It's old only in the sense of people are forsaking it. Right. But it's wonderful in every part of our lives. These women want to teach their husbands at home. They want greater roles in the church. They want a voice. They want to preach. They run from seminar to seminar to apply their weaker abilities to subjects they'll never master that have little to no value for spiritual progress, and that undermine established truth and practice. The Bible says that. It says it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, about women getting out of their role that God gave them. 
For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins. Those, those silly women are laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. God has not arranged and ordained for truth to arrive through the efforts of women. He's ordained it through the efforts of men. Fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I know Abraham that he will command his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Joshua would say, as for me and my house, and that included his little wife, we will serve the Lord. He didn't ask the wife, should we serve the Lord? He didn't let the wife make the statement, what a ridiculous upside-down family that would be. And it's never going to result in godly princes and children or godly princesses and daughters. It messes everything up. It messes churches up. It messes, messes nations up. And it messes that woman and husband up from what God intended for their marriage. But men are just as bad. In fact, women would be in their proper roles if men had kept their roles. The most influential factor in dysfunctional lives is a lazy or an AWOL father. God charged the man to protect and train his children. The Bible is filled with reminders. But men leave home to work unnecessary overtime, play with the boys, or to marry another woman in divorce. If they stay at home, they watch sports, surf the internet, or work at a hobby in their shop. They forfeit their role as the single most important person in their children's lives. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. God the Holy Spirit lets you off from Romans 12, 3 through 8. God the Holy Spirit is not leaving you off in Proverbs 27, 8. And I hope that there is wisdom in the two sermons today that the combination is lethal for all of us. For all of us. They excuse themselves. These AWOL fathers, they excuse themselves by attending their son's athletic events. They gladly pay for a lavish wedding, but they refuse to take a stand and help their sons marry wisely. Being too busy and not interested in their sons very much, their sons seldom ask them anything of importance. If the sons do ask any weighty question, they often hear the words, Ask your mother. Why not go down the street and ask a five-year-old? You say you're ridiculing wives. Relative to the father, absolutely, definitely, always, forever. There's no comparison. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the woman is the weaker vessel, and it's fathers that are to protect and train their children to amount to anything. You say, well, what about Samuel? Yes, that's an exception. Paul died and came back. That's an exception too. Do you want to make that a rule for anybody? You say, well, what about Timothy? That's another exception. That isn't God's order. And as soon as you start picking on exceptions, we already know what spirit you are of. You are a rebellious spirit from hell. That's why you're picking on exceptions. Because the general rule is, from the beginning, Abraham, Joshua, David, leading their families. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Where are the Abrahams and Joshuas? We have some in this church. We want more. I want to encourage every one of you to go home and to fulfill your role. Women, you've got an important role. I've tried to list that role for you. 
Men, you've got an important role. Just don't get the marriage where the man's on top and the woman's underneath turned upside down or where the children are down below them turned upside and ruling over them like they do. When a husband wants your opinion, he'll ask you for it. Until he asks you for it, don't give it. You're way out of line. Why would he, why are you volunteering it? In his weak moments, he has better thoughts than what you're suggesting. Just like your boss at work. That's why you don't answer again. If we would all do it the Lord's way, this world would be a peaceful place even though it is filled with sin. But the church can, can use God's roles and relationships even better for greater progress because of the greater blessings that we have of wisdom and understanding and the blessings of His Spirit. The formal era of the patriarchs ended with Moses. There was a period in the Bible that extended for 2,500 years from Adam to Moses. That was the era of the patriarchs. A patriarch is a man. There are matriarchal societies, and if you want me to start naming them, I can, but to avoid any unnecessary language, I'll just say there are patriarchal and there are matriarchal societies. You can guess what kind of a society an athlete is from when every time he's interviewed he wants to thank his mother. That's one of them. Patriarchs. A man leading his family. A man as the priest of God. Abraham would build an altar. Abraham would worship God. Everyone else was in his congregation and at a distance. He was the one that between them and God. He's the one that built the altar. He's the one that walked with God. He's the one that God spoke to. He's the one that God gave visions to. And then he would tell his family what to do. We're not in that particular era of 2,500 years from Adam to Moses. However, we have the word of God and every man should be a patriarch in his home. Every man has this. And a man can understand this better than a woman. Because this is written to men. It's written first of all to the man of God. Then it's written to men. Women are the weaker vessel. Women are deceived more easily. Women were deceived in the Garden of Eden. And a man ought to be the spiritual leader of his home. The Bible tells me this. That if a woman will learn anything. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. If a woman will learn anything. Let her surf the internet? No. Let her go to a woman's Bible study? No. Let her read the Bible? No. What is the answer? If a woman will learn anything, let her ask her husband at home. You say you sound so extreme. I'm as extreme as the Bible, and I hope I'm no more extreme. But I want to be as extreme as the Bible. If I come one inch short, I'll be very disappointed, and the Lord will be very disappointed in me. And it won't accomplish the purpose of what we need to consider. The formal era is over, but every man should be a patriarch by leading his family to love and to serve the Lord God of heaven. He should lead his wife, train the children, and be a pillar in his local church. He should fulfill the role of preparing all under him to live productive lives, serve Jesus Christ's kingdom, and be ready to stand before God and give an account of their lives in the great day of judgment. That is a calling. Let me say that one to you again. A godly man is going to take charge of his home and lead his wife and train his children so that everyone under him is prepared and ready and actually does so, live a productive life, serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and is ready to stand before Jesus Christ in the great day of judgment. Because only they have the foresight long enough to be thinking of getting this family ready to meet the Lord. 
And if wives, you think you have foresight just as long, then you are the exhorter that wants to be a prophet. God has something for you. And I love him for it. He's going to bury you alive or give you leprosy or something worse in your life if you don't want to do it God's way. Korah was a Levite. There is no woman that was ever a Levite like Korah. But he could not be a priest. And there wasn't a queen like King Isaiah, but he couldn't be a priest. And our submission to God's roles make everything work and work right. And we can oppose this world and we can bear up the pillars of this and we can establish the foundation so that the righteous in our homes, in this church, can lead productive, godly lives. A faithful man will not forget, ignore, or reject his position and his influence. He will grab the opportunity and make the most of it for his God and his family. He never defers duties to Sunday school teachers. Can you believe that? What's happened in 150 years of that wicked invention of Sunday schools? Take some little woman. It's got a little tiny bit of zeal. It's not well-guided zeal, but she wants to serve the Lord and make her a Sunday school teacher and send boys in there to listen to some little girl, some little woman with flannel graph characters on a board try to teach them about the Bible. They ought to smell male sweat. They ought to smell testosterone and have a man teaching them. That little long-haired Jesus fits that idea of presenting the truth just perfectly because it's totally effeminate from the teacher to the object of her teaching. And do you know how many men in the last hundred years in this country have thought that they were doing a good job being spiritual leaders by taking their children to Sunday school? or sending the children to Sunday school. That's the common one. Can you, can you believe that? Sending the children off to Sunday school to have some little woman teach them who doesn't have a clue. He'll not defer to Sunday school teachers or pastors. I want to teach you men, and I want you men to take care of your children. I don't want to be your children's counselor. I don't want to help your children. I'll help you help your children. That's far more efficient. The father will not abdicate his position to his wife. He will not care that the world mocks fathers on every side in their program to abolish God's institutions on earth. You cannot find a television program or a movie in the last 40 or 50 years that honors and exalts fathers. It is unbelievable. For those of you that have taken probability and statistics, do you know that something is called statistically significant when in 50 years and thousands of productions coming out of Hollywood, there isn't a single one that honors and exalts fathers? They're always undermining fathers. It is statistically significant telling us, and here I am, I'm a prophet. They're from the pit of hell by the inspiration of the devil. Right. Oh, to have some godly fathers. Portrayed, but of course... They're set against God and everything that he has said. You know, a godly father recognizes that we're in the perilous times of the last days. So good Christian kids are not the best thing to have your children around. I've tried to teach you that. I've tried to warn you that. Those good Christian kids, the Bob Jones type, the New Spring type, the World Redemption type. Are you kidding me? Go home and, go home and present anything to their parents. Their parents will walk you right out the door. 
Their parents don't have convictions about anything. That's why their children go to those institutions. When I say anything, I'm making a generalization. Of course you understand that. But you take some of the positions that we take in this church and they will not be able to handle them, swallow them. They've never considered them. They've never heard them. They are not even mentally capable of understanding them. And when you let your children get around them and those children hear all this noise about loving Jesus and loving God and loving the Bible and are memorizing the King James Bible, then they start to think, well, what, why are we acting so different? Why are we so different from them? I mean... They get to watch anything they want to. When they go to church and there's a big giant praise band, they turn the lights out and they have a smoke and, smoke and mirror show with a, with a rock band and blah, blah, blah. And so you're undermining your children by letting them associate with those people that don't have convictions, though they do a lot of talking about Jesus and the Bible. Do you know why a prophet came and stood at the door when Jehoshaphat got back and said that the anger of the Lord is against you? Because you have loved them that hate the Lord. Now, was he talking about Philistines? Hittites? Or his cousin? Ahab and Jezebel. Israelites. Cousins. They were all cousins, obviously. They came from Abraham. Are there good Christian people out there? Are there a lot of Armenians in this city? Are there people that go to Bob Jones? Are there people that go to New Spring going to heaven? Of course. Going to heaven isn't any qualification for your friends. You don't really know who's going to heaven. You haven't seen the book of life, and they haven't seen it about you. What counts is, thus saith the Lord. This is the way a marriage should be. This is what we should watch on television or not watch. This is how we should practice church. This is what kind of music we should have in the church. This is the kind of Bible that we should have. And on and on and on it goes. That's what you want your children around. A godly man chooses to make up the hedge and stand in the gap for the Lord. He's moved by God's search for one man. Though all others compromise, he knows he is not in a popularity contest except with the Lord. There's only, we only want to be popular with one person. It's not our wives and it's not our children. It's not our church. Even though we all love friendship and affection, it's only the Lord. Our dear brother Paul would put it this way. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. If you want to make an accounting, Paul said of me and my fellow brethren in the ministry, we are the stewards of the mysteries of God and we're the ministers of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors for him. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I know that I'm going to be judged and I better be faithful to my calling. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4. Every one of you men, don't you fear your wives? Don't you fear your children? Don't you fear your, fear your children's friend? Don't you fear your in-laws? Don't you fear anyone except the Lord? As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is the man that wandereth from his place. Proverbs 27, 8. He is never going to compromise. What's the source of this insanity? God's given our nation over to do things that are inconvenient because they were not thankful and they would not worship God. And the last 50 years, they've eradicated prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Bible out of school and made it a crime. They've legalized abortion and done a thousand other things. And so God's giving them over to a reprobate mind. 
just as he promised he would. Isaiah chapter 3 describes it very well, that there's no longer the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator and the great men and the princes that once ruled the nation of Israel because God took those men away from them and is leaving women to rule over them. There's a whole chapter dedicated to this prophecy that when a nation displeases God, God takes away their men and lets women and children rule over them and we are in the throes of that judgment. But it doesn't have to affect our church. It doesn't have to affect our families. And we can influence this nation if we will stand up and fulfill the roles. Romans 12.38 was for those men to fulfill their roles. Not to reach higher and not to reach shorter. To fulfill the role God gave them. And God has given every one of you so many roles. If you want to remember how many relationships you have, you may go home and type into the search box on our website, Relationships. And it's going to give you a wheel. Do you, Men, do you remember the wheel? And you're in the center. And all these spokes going out. And it, you have so many different roles. You can make a difference in the world if you will hold your place that God has given you. Praise His glorious name. Some things never change. The Lord Jehovah never changes. The Bible never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The worldwide flood of water in the old days is just a precursor of the worldwide flood of fire that's coming any day. He hasn't changed a bit. He's going to judge the wicked. We want to stand against them. My brethren, my sisters, my children in this church, are you standing in the place your Creator assigned you? If you're a woman, are you you happy as a loving, obeying, serving, and waiting wife? If a man, do you zealously lead your wife and train your children in the fear of the Lord? If you're an employee, do you faithfully serve your company's goals rather than your own? If you're a child, are you thankful for your parents and committed to obeying their every request? If a Christian, are you in a church where you worship Jesus Christ? We hope that we are, in spirit and in truth. Or have you wandered out of the way of understanding? Do you know your place in your family? Do you know your place at school? Do you know your place on the job, under government, and in our church? Do you know God's rules for your attitude and conduct in these and other roles, relationships, and responsibilities you have? You need to know your place. You need to know God's expectation for your conduct in that place and His rules for fulfilling your duties in it. And it's all in the Bible. It's a manual for our perfection. Paul said, let every man abide in the calling wherein he was called. Well, you all walked in this morning and you all have roles and relationships and you're going to walk out now. And I've just tried to exhort you. He that exhorteth, wait on his exhortation. Rather than chafe against God and his ordinances, love and obey them. The roles and duties he has assigned are for his glory and your good. They're gifts of divine wisdom to protect, preserve, and prosper the human race in general and the kingdom of God in particular. If you allow or choose the current or modern road of change, you reveal yourself to be a silly bird. You're a bird brain. And you are contributing to the ruin of our nation, the ruin of our society, and the ruin of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand firm. We know we're not, we're not those gifts that were in Romans 12, 3 through 8. We're not prophets. But we have our roles. And we can contend with the wicked. We can adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can find rest for our souls. And the list goes on and on if we do things the Lord's way. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. May every one of you take it to heart. And remember... That in the great day of judgment, you will be reminded that you had a pastor that tried to teach you. 
And the God of heaven does not appreciate stubbornness or rebellion. He considers it like witchcraft and idolatry. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Amen.